Hello, hello. It's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. This episode was just so much fun. I'm talking to my good friend, Hannah Bronfman Fallis, who's pretty much been on the podcast every single year since the podcast started. And I just love all of the personality, truth, and just honesty she brings to this conversation. I also just want to say like motherhood is a very personal journey and it's kind of hard sometimes to talk about some of the things that we get into because people will vehemently disagree with your way of doing things or like your truth and what worked for you. So I really want to commend Hannah also just for her honesty and candor. She had me laughing so loud throughout this whole conversation. I know you guys are going to really love it. I also just want to shout out Everyone who told me that even though they are not a mother yet, or they aren't even thinking about becoming a mother, or they're not interested in it, that they appreciate conversations about what this whole labor and delivery thing is like, because it's like this black box that you don't get insight into. I'm just happy that I can just bring the reality of the situation to the surface and how it changes your body and your mood and all of that. Now, if you follow Hannah on social, as I think a million people do, you kind of know her, but I think this conversation and not to just congratulate myself too much for being such an excellent interviewer, but it's also because we have a friendship. I was able to get into topics that she doesn't talk about often. So not just her motherhood journey, but her background. What was it like growing up as one of the few black girls in a very all-white private school setting? What's her relationship with cannabis been like? We get into that, which I'm so happy because she hasn't talked about that very openly yet. And I think it's really a huge part of her self-care and wellness journey. So I'm excited that we were able to get into that. There's a lot here and it's a nice, meaty, long episode. So I'm going to stop talking and get into the conversation with Hannah. Thank you all so much for your support at Naked Beauty Planet. I'm going to be posting really fun clips from this episode. So definitely make sure you are following there. I'm Brooke DeVard on all social platforms. Let's get into the conversation. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hannah Bronfman, welcome back to Naked Beauty. We should do a toast. Love it. We've polished off a bottle of rosé between us as we waited for the studio. So this is going to be a great interview. OMG, you always get me at my best hour. (laughs) So you know, this is your fourth time on Naked Beauty. Oh, don't I know it. And the last time we spoke, we were both pregnant. I know I had just maybe had my baby and you were pregnant with Preston. Yes. And we were talking about your pregnancy journey. And you were talking about what it was going to be like to be a new mom. I actually listened back to that interview. No, you didn't. I did. I did. You were talking about the vitamins you were taking and how they, you didn't mind the smell, but Brendan was like, whatever vitamins you're taking, stop immediately because they smell terrible. You were talking about how you're really focusing on, you're like, I'm like past labor and delivery. I'm focusing on like the fourth trimester. I'm focused on what it's going to be like with the newborn. What was the experience of giving birth? And that fourth trimester, those first three months with Preston, like in reality versus what you expected? First of all, my expectations for birth, like I said last time we spoke about this, I was kind of like not expecting too much from birth being like, you know, it's the main event. Yeah. I, in my everyday life, perform for the main event. Yeah. I'm like, I got this. Yeah. What's going to be next? And I will say, just to take a second to like, you know, not completely skip over it, but we are having a very serious maternal health crisis in absolutely um, America as it pertains to Black women. And so I did choose to give... And sorry, women in general. I mean, 
quick note for me here on the timing of this conversation. This happened before Roe v. Wade was overturned. The reason why I said women in general is because the discussion about abortion and whether or not it will be legal in all 50 states was just beginning to brew. Back to Hannah and the very important message about Black maternal health. Women in general, but Black women, were three times more likely to have a death related to childbirth in the U.S., 12 times actually more likely in New York State alone. Wow. Which is horrifying. But even with that knowledge, I wanted to have a hospital birth because I really trusted my OB. I'd been working with her for five years. She's Mm -hmm. AAIP. And I just really felt like she and I were completely on the same page. We got to speak to each other like literally once a week leading up to the birth. She assured me I would not be a statistic. And that really helped me kind of get into the mindset of like, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. But Which hospital like, did you deliver at? At Cornell, at Wild Cornell. Okay. And it was a beautiful experience. I did have a vaginal birth and I was in labor for just over 24 hours. I was induced, which I didn't want to be induced, ideally. Why did you not want to be induced? Because I just kind of wanted to feel what natural labor was going to be like. I had, Like I said, I was going to have a hospital birth. I was not going to have a home birth. So for me to go into natural Sorry, labor... I'm only laughing because... I did this hypnobirthing course about these people that like give birth in like bathtubs with candle lights with no epidurals. Yeah, orgasmic birth. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I interviewed women on this podcast that did natural birth and they said it was ecstasy. And I had this false notion that I too would give birth naturally. As soon as those contractions hit, I was like, where's the epidural? Totally. Honestly, same here. And that's also kind of why I wanted to be in a hospital because I wanted to have options. You know, I'd never experienced it before, but I did want to go into natural labor. In my mind, I thought, okay, my water's going to break. I'm going to be at home. I've prepared myself with all these tools, the rebozo, you know, the shaking of the hips, whatever (laughs) the fuck. And then I had to be induced. And so I actually was also like, I'm totally fine with being induced at 41 weeks. I don't want to go past 41 weeks, by the way. Like I have friends who are like, oh yeah, we went to 42 weeks or whatever. It's like, cool. Everyone has to choose for themselves. Like for me, it took so long to get pregnant that I was like, I'm not out here trying to chance anything with a home birth going past 41 weeks. I'm like, just a safe delivery, right? Yes. So have a great labor because I had the epidural (laughs) about an hour after my first contraction. Okay. I was like, I was like, okay, this is enough. Yes. And you have to ask for it soon because it takes a while for them to get there. Didn't realize that. (laughs) So it actually was almost two hours of contractions before I got my epidural. Right. And then randomly, the woman who was the... The person that gave the epidural. Yeah. Episiotomy. No, episiotomy is when they make like a small incision and like cut kind of like below your vagina. Oh, that's not what happened to me. (laughs) But the person that gave you the epidural. Yes. After the doctor that gave me the epidural, after she gave me the epidural, told me that she follows me. Oh, weird. And I was that's weird. You know what? I I don't I feel good. And she had done me the service of making me feel good. She told you after she gave you the shot. Okay. So you're happy. After her brows were so perfect. I was like, you know what? Thank you. You're an angel. So that was just like a little moment. Definitely felt a little strange, but like, what are you going to do? And I gave birth to Preston. The sun was coming up and it was like Mm -hmm. a beautiful situation. Brendan was like DJing and had like Halo playing by Beyonce. It was like a real... We love that Beyonce was one of P's first musical experiences. Oh, his entry into the world. Yeah. Yeah. Mavi also had a Beyonce moment. I love that for us. Yeah. I love that for them. I love that for them. Yeah. I really love that for them to understand. Totally. Yes. So that was like my birthing experience. I felt very lucky. I had a really beautiful experience. And again, like I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't like, I have a birth plan. I wanted to go with the flow and have a safe delivery and as beautifully as I could. And I really felt like that's what I achieved. And then the fourth trimester is wild. Wait, before we get into the fourth trimester... So many people ask, like, how painful is childbirth? And it's interesting because I got the epidural as well. And I kept telling the doctors, like, I can still, I'm still in a lot of pain. And they're like, well, you're not numb from the waist down. Like, you still need your muscles engaged so you can, like, push this baby out. How painful was the actual pushing for you? You remember how painful it was for you? Yes. See, I don't remember. You, like, blacked out. Yeah. I also have a really high pain tolerance, but I do think I blacked out. Yeah. It's a little out of body. It's very out of body. Very, very surreal. 
I like don't think I even remember what the pain level was. I remember screaming so loudly and hard (laughs) during the contractions that when, you know, like you push and then you stop pushing for a second to catch your breath and you you know, in that moment when I was like regaining my thing, my like doctor is like screaming and I'm like, no, no, my doctor was stopped screaming to like take a second. I'm like, am I not pushing hard enough? And she's like, no, you're doing amazing. And I'm like, then why are you screaming at me so wildly? And she's like, because that's what we do. That's yeah. what we got to do. We got to keep the adrenaline going. We got to, you know, we can't yeah. stall out, you know? And yeah. I was like, oh, damn, like it is like a marathon, you know? Like I pushed probably for like 45 minutes. Yeah, same, about 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, I'm not pushing the whole time right. for 45 minutes consistently. Right. You're pushing and then stopping and getting your breath and then pushing and it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot. Yeah. But I don't remember like the pain. I remember feeling his hair. Like I remember like a burning sensation when like the head was coming out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I just remember Brendan fully Aww. crying, like looking down with me thinking like, am I pooping right now? And Brendan's like crying, being like, this is so beautiful. And I'm like, what's going on? Did you poop? I like don't know. My my OB <laughs> said nothing about it. Said I'm sure you didn't. It. But she also was like in there. She's like, I'm massaging, like I'm opening. She's like, you're not going to tear. I was like, okay, like say less. Do more, but say less. Not to get like too, too, too into it, but I was like very worried about like the vaginal walls recontracting and very pleased to say that like, I feel like it's the same. Same or better. Same or better, right? Literally same, but better. (laughs) Right. I'm like, what what happened in the stitching up? And she was down there for a minute. (laughs) I'm like, I thought I didn't really tear. She's like, you didn't, but... Like, let me just tell you, like, it's good. I'm right. Like, oh, okay. Well, do you know what I was not prepared for? Pushing the placenta out. Did you keep your placenta and like ingest it as like skincare? No, okay. I didn't do that. I feel I like thought, you would. Do you, you know what? Out of I everyone thought, I know, I feel like you would do that. I know. I thought a lot about it. Okay. I really did. I thought so much about it, but I had met someone who had a placenta infection. And she didn't realize that she had an infection until after. And the baby ended up having to have like a whole situation after. And I just realized that like, you just don't know. Right. And I've also had friends who who did that. And then, you know, were like, I couldn't even take the smell. I couldn't stomach it. And I'm not a good pill taker. Yeah. It's like, I neither am I. So I was like, you know what? This whole thing, like as much as I want to want this. <laughs> I just feel like me, it's so you. You know what? The so whole like in, theory. To like take the powder from the placenta is. and ingest it. It's like a very Hannah. It is yeah. fully HB fit yeah. approved. Yeah. I did not do, do it. it myself. Okay. So fourth trimester, you're at home with a newborn. I'm at home with a newborn and feeding myself was definitely the biggest thing I felt like was so. Feeding yourself. Feeding myself. Okay. Baby was feeding fine. Boobs were working overtime, like <laughs> milk freaking flowing everywhere. Oh, I just remembered how great my breasts looked. Oh, I took photos of at every, at every angle of every day that I thought they looked great. So full. Beautiful. Very full, lifted. Yeah. And that's like, like pretty much the only I've positive. I've never had big boobs before in my life. Never. Yeah. And I was like, who is this? <laughs> it's great. And it's like, you deserve that because everything else doesn't feel great. At least for me, everything else did not feel great. Things felt really weird for, you know, I have to say actually at around like 11 weeks, I started to feel pretty good. I was actually kind of surprised that my body kind of like felt like it I know the words you're looking for, and you don't want to say the word because it's a very toxic and triggering word. But you are one of the women that had no, a snapback. I, you did. You I, did. You had a snapback. <laughs> I'm saying this as your friend and someone who loves you. You had a snapback. I did not. But you were one of those people that gave birth and then very quickly after giving birth were back to your original size. Yes. And that's just what it that is. Did for you. <laughs> that did happen. And there's me. no reason to be ashamed honestly, or feel bad about it. It happened for no reason. I didn't do anything. Yeah. I didn't try. I didn't work out. I don't know what it was. And in fact, I was very scared about it only because my mom had gained 70 pounds during all of her pregnancies. Yeah. But she looked amazing after hers. But also after her third, she was kind of like, she always kind of said, like, you know, you changed my body. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> 
I mean, Sherry but is beautiful and flawless and gorgeous. iconic, iconic. Yes. And listen, like women's bodies literally give life and go through trauma delivering babies and then discard organs and then come back together to like, you know, hold up your abdominal wall and stuff again. I mean, it's yeah. crazy what the body yeah. does. It actually is insane. And for me, I was kind of in shock by how quickly I felt like things kind of literally I felt like things kind of like came back together in a way that even pre-baby I didn't have. And I really think that is also because I spent three years on hormones. Trying to get pregnant. Prior to getting pregnant, trying yeah. to get pregnant. So a lot of the comments I were getting, I was getting was kind of around like, oh, you look better than baby, which by the way, inappropriate comments making. But I did realize that for three years before I had a baby, I was on hormones. I was unhappy. I was fully depressed. Like I was going through such like a difficult time with fertility, felt so alone and isolated. And like that really did affect my body physically as well as like mind, body, whatever, mm -hmm. the whole thing. Do you think your challenges with your fertility journey caused you to feel depressed? Yeah. I actually don't think it was really my challenges with fertility because I ended up knowing that I have like very good fertility and mm -hmm. it's just that like something was not clicking between Brendan's sperm and my eggs, literally. <laughs> I actually found out later what it was and I'll tell you. But I found like because I'm a control freak and because I expected to get pregnant easily and because I did not expect that I'd have this like long, hard road ahead of me. And also just not knowing what to expect and not being able to find something specific to say, oh, this is why it's not happening. Mm -hmm. That was making me crazy. That was making yeah. me feel out of sorts, out of control. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't like to feel that way. And I'm also like not someone who can easily like just ignore my feelings. Mm -hmm. So it made it even more difficult having to be social and having mm -hmm. to show up for work and having to constantly be on. Like right. that started to like really affect me. And I had to start compartmentalizing myself in a way that I had never done before. Mm. I'm sure a lot of people listening are surprised to hear that you even dealt with this period of depression. How did it manifest itself for you? For me, like there were never days where it felt hard for me to get out of bed. I have a lot of responsibilities. I have a lot of things to do. And even though I was upset with the outcomes I was having, I wasn't burnt out in a way that I thought I would be. Mm -hmm. It was more like the inability to control the situation like had me spiraling, you know? And so for me, that was kind of where I like struggled. You know, I felt like actually when I started IVF, I was like able to like regain control again. Yes. Because then I was like... You're taking okay. proactive steps. Uh, proactive. I know what I'm doing every day. Yeah. I'm doing the shots and I'm doing it well. And I'm like happy about it. We're going to do it. It's one step closer to my goal. Like mm -hmm. that, once we finally decided to do it, I was like, I'm all in. And when I decided that I was all in and that this was going to be my narrative, it literally all melted away. And I was like, I got this. Yes. And it was the time prior where it was like, you know, changing the hormone meds for the month and should we do an IUI and what's the logistics on the day and are we doing a frozen cycle? It was just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. you know, and like not getting the results. Then it's like, you know, every month you're hoping you're pregnant, mm -hmm. you know, and then it's just not happening. Yeah. Like, were you triggered by seeing other pregnant women or oh, beyond. children? Yes. Beyond, beyond, beyond. So much so I couldn't even tell you like what was happening. Like I felt so bad. Like my best friend in the world called me, told me she was pregnant. I started hysterically crying. I actually have the phone on her and it was a bad connection. <laughs> Swear to God, she was calling me from France. And that I was in hilarious. the car with my in-laws and my husband on a road trip. And I was like, didn't want to cry in front of my in-laws. Started crying on the phone. I just had to like hear on the phone. Yeah. Just like, I can't do this right now. No. Obviously called her back an hour later, explained yeah. that I was so happy for her yes. and told her, I actually unclear. This is another blackout moment. I unclear if I told her that I was just so upset or if it was actually just a bad connection. 
<laughs> I think I probably told her it was a bad connection. <laughs> and that's okay. Sometimes you need to say it's a bad connection. I've had people tell me that they've had to block people as they've been on their fertility journey because yeah. it's just like too triggering yeah, or upsetting. You know what's something that I found to be really triggering now after having Preston and all the things? It's like I invest a lot in fertility and infertility and I hear a lot of founder stories. I read so much about what's going on and it's all triggering. It's an emotional thing if you've been through it, you know, and it's just one of those things. And I have to remember and remind myself to give myself grace even now, like hearing about different companies and listening to founder stories and things like that. I'm like, it's a very powerful journey that so many people have been on and thank God people are now really talking about. And you know what's so interesting? I talked to so many young women who listen to this podcast and they actually like hearing from people that have gone through pregnancy because they're like, it's not easy to hear about. It's like kind of this mysterious world where like people get pregnant and then disappear and then they pop up with the baby. Now, one of the things that I found very triggering because at 10 months, my milk supply was dwindling greatly. By 10 months, it was like I was breastfeeding in the morning and in the evening, but it was like very little milk supply. I had to supplement with formula. And I had a supplement of formula early on. I found it really triggering to see, you know, when people would post, or maybe you've seen this, but people post their bottles filled up with all of their breast milk. Mm-hmm. I personally found that really triggering mm-hmm. for me. Okay. So I actually stopped breastfeeding at like five and a half months. My supply dwindled. Preston was ready to move on. That was like devastating to me. I was actually able to give Preston breast milk for maybe six weeks after I stopped breastfeeding because of my pumping supply, not oh. pumping from what I had saved up and okay. stored. Yes. I remember I sent you my hospital grade yes. Medela pump, you which did. is very intense. And it was so intense and it worked for like a week. <laughs> and then I was like, I hate my life. <laughs> well, pumping is kind of miserable. Miserable. Right. It's also miserable if your supply is going down. Different if you're just like pumping to like right. in the middle and, of the night. And right. And, like, and the bottles are full and it's like eight like, ounces oh, from each breast. Yeah. And you're like, let me store this in the freezer. Yeah, literally very different than if you're <laughs> you're like, what did you call it? I remember you told me. You're like, I'm sport pumping. And I was like, wait. Oh, power pumping. Oh my God. Power, power pumping. That's what my lactation consultant told me to do. Power pump. I hate lactation consultants too. Like, lactation consultants. I was like, listen, I have my baby on a schedule. I need to have a schedule. They're like, no, no, no. You can't breastfeed on a schedule. I'm like, no, no, no. no. I'm breastfeeding and I'm on a schedule. They're like, no, no, no. no. It doesn't yeah. work like that. Well, I'm like, I'm telling you my goals. Let's work backwards. And, and they're know, like, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. And I'm like, no, no, no. Do you know what I have found? And maybe this is just my experience, but I have found that lactation consultants want you to breastfeed at the expense of your own well-being. Do you agree? That is perfectly said. Perfectly said. Okay, it's me again. I just want to say shout out to the lactation consultants doing the very important work of encouraging women and teaching women how to breastfeed. I recognize your contributions. This was just my personal experience with my lactation consultant where it was like, you must breastfeed above all else, which is why I was like power pumping for like six hours a day. It was wild. But I just want to acknowledge that this is not all lactation consultants. They're lactation consultants that think about the balance between the mother's well-being and the baby's well-being and come together to find a happy medium. So just wanted to caveat that. Back to Hannah. I'm like, no, 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 he's, no, I'm like, no, 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 we, that's nap time. He's like, wait, you wake your baby up? I'm like, um, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, no, no, the baby should be leading everything. I'm like, okay, I don't have time for this. Right. I have things to do. Speaking of having things to do, you're a working mom. You're always working. How do you describe yourself now? Maybe three years ago, someone would have called you an influencer. Maybe. I think I've always seen you as more than that. And not that there's anything wrong with being an influencer or a content creator, but you are an investor. You have your own business. How do you describe yourself? When you walk into a room, how do you introduce yourself? You're an author as well. I mean, you do so many things. How do you describe yourself? You know what? I honestly, and maybe this says more about me and climate of whatever, but like I tailor okay. self depending onto the room. Okay. Uh, Talk to me about that more. I've always kind of been a bit of a shapeshifter. You know, you and I grew up in this very similar environment. Like, uh, Let's talk about that environment. Tell everyone listening how we grew up or the schools we went to or kind of what the vibe was. Yeah, I mean, Brooke and I went to the same school for a long time. I actually got kicked out of that school. Brooke graduated from that school. 
And then she went on to Stanford and I went on to a little liberal arts school called Bard. First of all, Bard is a great school. One of the best, one of the best, but don't confuse it with Barnard. Otherwise, I'll come for you. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm a little bit older than Brooke, but, you know, we're, you know, one of five, let's say, Black girls in our grade. I'm pretty fair skinned and my dad's Jewish. So have always kind of had... Did you have a bat mitzvah? I did. Okay. You and I weren't really friends at that point. And in fact, we weren't that close at all during high school. I feel like we knew each other. We like very much admired each other, but like from afar... I don't know if you admired me, but I always... Of course I... You were one of the like very, very cool girls at the school. You were... Always looked up to you. You were a cool girl too. You could count the black girls on one hand. Yes. You know, have always kind of been able to... When I'm in a room full of like executives, I'm embraced because I am my dad's daughter. And it's not. You think everyone listening knows who your dad is? No, definitely not. Just that he's like a white Jewish guy. That's 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 what I'm referring to. Do you want to give a little more background? Sure. My dad was the former chairman of Universal and Warner Music. If we were going a little bit deeper, my grandfather took over his father's company, which was Seagram's. Seagram's Gin. Um, yeah, Seagram's. And Ginger Ale. It's a big company. <laughs> big it's company. got a lot of yeah. things going, Crown Royal, all the things. My great-grandfather immigrated from Russia, from Moldova specifically, and went... Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, went to Canada, okay. ended up kind of being in Saskatchewan, and then had my grandfather in... Manitoba and then oh, moved wow. to Montreal. Your husband's Canadian as well. Is, has there been any Canadian crossover between the families? I can't even tell you. My father-in-law is literally a Canadian historian. He's, really? No, he's a lawyer, but he <laughs> might as well be a Canadian historian. And so when I entered the picture, he was... He's like, I know this girl. I know her family. Freaking out. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people would say that Crown Royal is a really well-known alcohol, and that was our family. And my great-grandfather was, you know, a bootlegger during Prohibition. So right. to say that he was a hustler is an understatement. Right. Um, like if it was 2022, he'd have like NFTs in a crypto collection. Oh, beyond. Yeah, yeah, 1, yeah. thousand <laughs> percent. And so I think that also mentality has trickled through myself, my father, my grandfather. You know, my dad's a very hardworking guy, a very amazing guy who fell in love with my mom in the 70s and... You know, was that controversial, by the way, to fall in love with yeah, a black woman and marry a black woman? Absolutely. They were not allowed to get married by either one of their families. My mother's family very much did not want her to marry my oh, dad. Oh, wow. And they eloped and they got married in New Orleans. I didn't know this. Yeah. Once they had my sister, who's the first of their kids, both families kind of came around. But actually, my mom is pretty estranged from her family. I think her decision to leave Chicago when she was 18 to pursue a life on Broadway and yes. be the star that she was meant to be yes. really like kind of bugged her family in the, a way that she kind of knew that she needed to do her own thing. Mm-hmm. So my dad's family is really the only family I've grown up around. So there's also that. I don't have... That black side of your family. At all. Yeah. No aunts and uncles, no cousins, mm-hmm. no grandparents. Mm-hmm. My great-grandparents in Chicago both passed away when I was eight. So... There's that as well. Yes. And yeah, so I kind of grew up in like a bit of a celebrity culture and entertainment world. Obviously, New York versus LA, very different. I'm not, yes. you know, I'm not out here on like some like red carpet shit, like hanging out with celebrities all the time. But occasionally, you know, I kind of actually feel like I knew the executives more than I knew the celebrity. Right. right? Like we're talking about all of the people, the Julie Greenwalls of the world, the Lior Cohens, the, you know, Ron Meyer, like, you know. Which, by the Brian way, are the, Grazer, like, the people that these... have the power. Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes. And so I felt like growing up in those rooms, I was able to hold my own. And what is it like growing up as one of very few Black people in several social situations? What is it like being one of the only Black girls in your class? And how does that define your ideas about what's beautiful? If I didn't have like such a strong black mother, I don't know how I would be able to answer that question. But because I did have a mom who was so rooted in her culture, her beauty, mm-hmm. her star power, you know, she really kind of helped me own my identity and be very confident in who I was, more so in my talents 
and my kindness mm-hmm. and my companionship and your leadership skills, and my leadership skills. And I think that's also something at our school. I'd like to point out like my leadership skills definitely got me into a lot of trouble at Spence. And I think my parents felt like I was constantly being singled out. Honestly, I wouldn't say that. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. Like I was a Spence Red Door girl. Oh, you did the tours? You yeah. did the school tours? Wow. I did the school tours. And I was great at it. And I love you. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, these people are going to just like turn their back on me and kick me out of school because I'm the only black girl out of the five girls that have gotten caught for this thing. By the way, we didn't even get caught. We got told on. By the way, if you listen to the very first episode of Naked Beauty that Hannah was on, we get into this, but let's talk about what happened. Also, if you follow me on social media, you'll know that I've recently started talking about cannabis. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about Hannah and your cannabis evolution because I love it. I love it. I love to see it. Okay. So let's take it back to high school. I got told on for smoking weed on a school trip. Um, Which grade? 10th grade. 10th grade, the DC trip. The infamous DC trip. Okay. Let's get into it. Okay. So the DC trip. We smoked weed all over that fucking DC trip. We smoked everywhere and not one teacher or a student ever caught wind ever. So let me just say. By the way, maybe I'm just like sheltered and prude. I did not smoke weed until I was like 18. Mm. Okay. But anyway, 10th grade trip. I literally. Okay. You're smoking weed all over DC. A little bit of irony for you, but sister was the first person I ever smoked weed with. Do you want to know the first person I ever smoked weed with? It was you. Oh my God. (laughs) You were literally, and I'm sorry to my parents that are maybe listening to this. You were literally the very first person to ever get me high. I am not well. And do you know, do you know when it was? It was me and Abigail. It was on a after work where we were interning, we won't say where we were interning. And you were like, come with us. We're going to smoke. And that was my first time ever smoking. And you were like, I'm so jealous of the highs you're experiencing now. I haven't experienced highs like these since I was like 15. Oh my God. I'm deceived. <laughs> did you not know that? No, definitely did not know that. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Okay. So there's that. So I've been a cannabis user for a long time. <laughs> And we love to see it. But you know what? We haven't seen it until recently on social media because I have a lot of like P&G contracts and I have a lot of these endorsements that would not support such a narrative. Which is interesting to me considering it is legal. It is becoming increasingly more legal. It's still not legal in New York State, but I don't know. By the way, I made a shirt that's like, you know, the I heart New York shirt. Yes, with a marijuana leaf. Yes, I made that when I was 19. I saw that you did that. I love that. For me, I just felt like, you know, I think it's also post having a baby. This idea of having to compartmentalize myself was making me crazy. And like, I'm just over it. I'm a content creator. I'm an investor. You know, I'm an author. I like to constantly move the needle on things. I like to think about the partnerships that I have, how I can bring that into the businesses that I invest in. How can I turn that into a narrative and make the funnel ultimately that much stronger? So when you ask me, how do I introduce myself when I walk into a room, I basically tailor it to who I'm talking to and how they're going to understand what I do based on what they do. Because I think sometimes the easiest barrier of entry is almost like this random common ground. At least when you've learned to like master the small talk the way I have, like I can like walk into a room and be like, oh, you're in NFTs. Like, cool. Like I'll say some random stat about whatever and then like have a backstory and they're like, oh, and then it's like, what do you do? I'm like, oh, well, you know, I have some NFTs, but I really do this. And, you know, I'm a content creator, but then I invest in these types of things. And whether it's like maternal health, right? Like I'm an advocate. I invest in fertility and infertility structures and technologies and all the things. And that's the narrative I push forward through my platform that I'm using now. And like you said, that that's very different than where I was three years ago. Yeah. Anyway, as it pertains to also cannabis, I am an advocate for cannabis. I'm a user of cannabis. I have been this way. I love to hear you say this, by the way. Yes. Like, I just love to hear you say this on the mic yes. with this platform. Well, I'm just, it's important. I, it is. And I'm over compartmentalizing myself and like being scared of like putting it all out there. Like, listen, cannabis for me and as it pertains also, we're going back to that fourth trimester moment saved me. 
It has also helped me be such a present and patient and funny and kind mom in a way that I'm so grateful to this plant that I have never burnt out on and has never made me like paranoid or anything. Because I do hear that a lot with people. And listen, I get it. We all have our different cannabinoid systems. They react to the plant in different ways. Mine, I wish that we could study it because if we could recreate what I feel like I got going on, if we could give it to the masses, we'd all feel real good. You know what I've always told you? The thing I want from HB Fit, from Hannah Bronfenthalis, the thing I want from you most is your own strain. Oh my God. Like a nice indica sativa-like hybrid, a hybrid moment. Hybrid moment. Something that's like good, like go out to a cocktail party, but you can still feel like... Relaxed. Yeah. That's what we want from you. You need to get on your like Wiz Khalifa, Snoop Dogg. OMG. I love this for me. (laughs) The girls would live. And that's where I feel like you can really make an impact. And honestly, I've been following Black Girl Smoke. Yes. Then that's Vic Styles, another Naked Beauty alum, is behind that account. And she is wonderful. And I love the content and I love the narrative. And I honestly just felt like I was missing out on like a big portion of who I am. Like I literally have smoked weed every single day for the last like 20 years. Minus my pregnancy and the first 10 weeks postpartum. And that's a huge part of wellness for you. And I oh, love yeah. that you're talking like, about it. My weed <laughs> Hit no, it, it if is, you'd like. It, honestly, I might go get it. And honestly, it is a big part of wellness for me. It really, I swear, like I said, our bodies have a like an endocannabinoid system, right? Mm-hmm. Our bodies are designed to interact with this plan. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like just a game changer in my overall mind, body, and yes. spirit connection. Yes. But I like that you mentioned that it doesn't work for everyone. It does not. My dear husband, who I love and adore, he like can't smoke. Okay. I'll just be honest. He thinks he smokes. He thinks he can. He's an enthusiast. He's an enthusiast. He like loves the idea of cannabis, but when it comes to consuming, can't really handle it. And honestly, that's where Brendan and Moot really, (laughs) they share that. They share that. Brendan is not out here trying to hit anything I'm giving him. Yeah. And I get it. It doesn't work for everyone. Yeah. Now... Everyone is going to be very upset with me if I don't talk to you about beauty, skincare, the products you're loving right now. Now, as a mom, I feel like sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, am I looking more tired than I've looked normally? And I hear all these people that get Botox and lip filler and cheek injections, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like out here rocking my natural face. Yeah. And I'm like, am I missing out? Should I be doing more to my face? No, you should not be doing more to your face. But are you asking if I've done anything to my face? I'm not asking if you've done anything to your face, but while we're on the topic, have you done anything to your face? I did Botox before my wedding. Okay. Which was like, what, four years ago now? Five years ago. Okay. It's worn off. (laughs) Since doing Botox before your wedding, have you done anything to your face? No, I haven't. Okay. I do want to get Botox before I have another baby. So I learned that I'm not a candidate for Botox. I tried to get Botox and they were like, lift your eyebrows. They're like, if you don't have any lines when you lift your eyebrows, you were not a candidate. Yeah. I remember I did that in an elevator with my mom and she looked at me and was like, and I was like, excuse me, are you saying that I need Botox? And she was like, this is before my wedding. Yeah. She was like, well, I'm just saying if that's like the criteria, like, and I was like, oh. Okay. So I'm going to be honest with you. I look at a lot of women that were beautiful Let me tailor my language. Yeah, let's reel it in. Let me reel in my language because I do not want to come off as judgmental to people that often... Also drink an entire bottle of wine. Please don't judge us all. Please don't judge us. I want to be non-judgmental for women that opt into cosmetic surgery. But I feel like a lot of people, and I shouldn't say women, everyone, a lot of people lose the plot. They go in wanting to look like a younger, more refreshed, beautiful version of themselves. Yes. And then I can see where they've lost sight of what looks normal. And then they look like a weird version of themselves. And that's what scares me about all of these injections and fillers. I completely agree with you. I do 100% agree that people have lost the plot once they get going. And it takes a real self-disciplined person. Like I got Botox before my wedding and then didn't get Botox again. Right. You were like, I'm done. It's like not normal in terms of like the trajectory of Botox, right? Right. right. But like there are people out here who then like get the Botox and it's like, it's like weed almost for them. It's like the (laughs) gateway drug. You know what I mean? Everyone talks about weed as the gateway drug, which I don't agree with, but. Maybe Botox is the real gateway drug. Maybe Botox is. Maybe it is. I remember having a rumor go around about me that I had a nose job and. Oh, Hannah. 
Literally, I post a picture of myself. I get 25 DMs being like, I'm really interested in rhinoplasty. Like, who was your doctor? And I'm like, and I've like developed this complex now where I'm like, does it look like my nose is fake? Now, you've known me since I'm like 12 years old. You've got a great nose. I think people are just... But does my nose look fake? No. Is now my, this is now my new insecurity. Does my nose look like a nose as a result of plastic surgery? Absolutely not. Your nose is okay. beautiful. And I think Thank it really complements the shape of your face. And Thank I think you. that's what people are probably commenting on. Thank you. I, I also, think I have a nice nose, you but have a great people nose. ask me about nose jobs as if I have had one. And it makes me uncomfortable. Not that there's anything wrong with nose jobs, but it just makes me uncomfortable. Okay, anyway, so there was a rumor about you having a nose job. By the way, Hannah's had these lips since she was 12 years old. Literally, I'll never forget. Oh my God. I'll never forget the first time someone told me I had DSL. DSL, I know. And I was like, what's that? And they were like, dick sucking lips. (laughs) I was in the bathroom at a bat mitzvah. You know what? I didn't even know that hip dips. Do you know what hip dips are? No, explain more. So hip dips are basically when... When your hips aren't like a parenthesis. You know how like Kim Kardashian and... Man, a parenthesis? Yeah, you know how all of their hips are like very like this? My hips, I have a butt. If I turn around, I've got... But I'm straight up and down. And I have learned that that's called hip dips. When your hips kind of like are indented, when they're not round. And people now put fat from their waist or whatever into their hips to have that... Oh, my God. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is like a new insecurity that I didn't even know I should have that I have hip dips. Oh, lordy lord. I know. There's just a lot. You know what? Sick enough. It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. I feel like you've got an amazing shape for all the dresses. Thank you. You know, you fit into everything. Thank you. You look like a model. Like, what do you mean? Thank you. you. But you know what? I hear about people that get these like post-mommy makeovers and I, I get it. I get it and I understand it. Yeah. You know what? I will say like post mommy. Do whatever is going to make you feel exactly. Better. You know, precisely. What I mean? Like, listen, who am I to say after three kids if I don't want a little, yeah, a little lift, you know, and a little know. tightening. You never know. You, you never, never know, know how you're going. Never feel. say never. By the way, beauty still starts with from within, one hundred percent. I actually think if you are someone who is going to go through an extreme moment, whether it's you know a tummy tuck or whatever, if you don't have a healthy lifestyle, if you're not in the gym, if you're not working out, if you're not thinking about your mind-body connection, you're going to have a hard time maintaining whatever result you're looking to to Absolutely. So at the end of the day, listen, do whatever's going to make you feel good, of course, but you got to be thinking about yourself from a holistic level and not just from the physical. So important. Talk to me about your current skincare routine. What are the products you're loving? What's standing out to you? Because you try everything. Everyone, I try everything. Everyone sends you everything. What do you love right now? Okay. So first of all, I will just tell you that I keep my shit very much in categories and then I switch out the products to try my things. Right? Love it. So I do my double cleanse. I do like a vitamin C. I'll do an acid. I'll do some sort of antioxidant. Then I will do a hyaluronic or mist before doing whatever my night ender is, whether that's a retinol, a face oil, or like a moisturizer. Okay. Right now, in terms of like my double cleansing life, there is the most... Okay. Have you heard of Bubel? I have not. By the way, every time you come on this podcast, you're talking about some like very small, like in like last time you were talking about like natural bovine retinol. Like oh, you're always putting me on. Amazing. You're always putting me on. Bovine. You were oh. always putting me on to interesting stuff. So please, I'm all ears. Okay. So Bubel, you know what? Jury's out on Bubel is an e-com. I have discovered some cool brands. Elsa Haas did a collaboration with them. I was kind of intrigued as to what was going on there. I don't really know. I haven't been able to like kind of sniff under the hood. But Monday Born is a brand off of that site that I kind of found. They have this like oil cleanser and then gel cleanser. And I got it. And I love it. I think it's amazing. You purchased it yourself? I did. Wow, Hannah. Now, I I still spend money on skincare every now and then. Don't tell my husband. But (laughs) that is shocking. That is shocking to me as someone who has sent many things. I don't like have it in me to spend money on skincare. You know anymore. what? Because I'm still, I'm an investigator at the right, end. I right, need to, right, I want right, to know, right. you know, I want to know. Yeah. And then you know what? From time to time, I will pop into Sephora and buy like 
a rare beauty blush. And in the back of my head, I'm like, why hasn't rare beauty sent this to me? Like, right. I, I kind of feel funny. a way I about having to buy things. So I don't spend money on makeup. Makeup. Yeah. But on skincare, I do. Yeah. But Unless in the back of your mind, my, my brows. In the back of your mind, don't you feel like they should be sending me this? 100%. But yeah. I get got by all the brow things. I was in your DM saying like, I tried the Refi. I didn't like it. I tried the Patrick Tall. Like, da, da, da. Like, it's Anastasia's brow freeze for me. Okay. Anyway, so I do still buy some skincare. I like this brand, Monday Born. I've tried both of their, the oil cleanser and the gel cleanser. But honestly, when it comes to, I actually just tried a Christian Dior balm to oil that I really like. Because some oils leave a residue and I don't like that at all. At all. But I love like pie and even like living. Yeah. Fabulous. And living libations. I love too. We love, we love living libations on Naked Beauty. Love. And yeah. then, you know, I, my gel cleanser, I just like, I stick to IS Clinical. That is my... Hey, is Clinical. Is, yes, people is love. Clini- oh, no. No, no. I, everything they do is <laughs> literally love. magic. Literally magic. People love. We were talking about Is Clinicals and their cleanser that you love. So you've cleansed, you've double cleansed. What's next? I'm loving so many different serums. It's like too much, to be honest. I love a serum. I love a serum. Is Clinical has the Pro Heal, which is a vitamin C. They have the Active Serum, which I love, which is an acid. Another acid I love right now is from Glow Recipe. They have a Silicilic that I'm loving. People love Glow Recipe. Honestly, they have a moisturizer I'm loving too that is so light and fluffy. Yeah. And then what else am I loving? I love Edem. Okay. Yes. Beautiful. Love. Beautiful. Are you an investor? I'm not. Why? I to her. She's hasn't been raising money, and okay, she's, she's uh, where I'm talking. I my I listen. I'm all up in her, yes. her shit. I'm like. How, so how do you find the brands, the beauty brands that you want to invest in? Some of it is like you know. To be honest, I'm not really writing new checks right now. So I have about 42 companies in my portfolio. And wow. A lot of those companies are raising their Series A right now. I invested in those companies at like pre-seed or seed level. And do you focus specifically on minority-owned businesses? Specifically on minority-owned businesses with Better For You products and platforms. Love it. As well as the planet. Better For You and Better For The Planet products and platforms. And early stage is really at the forefront. And, you know, Health and Wellness is my North Star, but we are not hold into a D2C or a CPG. We love a SaaS platform or okay. a B2B. Some other brands that I love that are in my portfolio are Gold, Topicals. All amazing women that have been on Naked Beauty and are just doing incredible stuff. And, I'm obsessed with Alameda, obsessed with Trinity. And Ame Cole. Chorus Giada, we love. We love. Also, I'm not sure. Oh, you've actually tried Rad Swan. Oh my gosh, I love Rad Swan and I love Freddie and I love their little synthetic wigs. I So I actually just sent them to my mom and my mom wore one to the 15% pledge. Oh, I love that. So chic. But this also trickles into fertility and all the things. So I'm an investor in Poppy Seed Health, which actually feels like very timely to talk about because when talking about my pregnancy in fourth trimester, Poppy Seed Health is a telehealth via text support chat with a midwife, a nurse, and a doula. I love that. As well as a lactation consultant. So that's like your poppy tribe and they take you through pregnancy, pre-pregnancy. Actually, 80% of their members come to them within the first 10 weeks of pregnancy. Which is when it's like the most confusing and you're like, what's going on? And 22% of their members also experience pregnancy loss. Mm. So they created a tool for pregnancy loss, which I've also experienced. And they also have a abortion support system. So if you are looking for support around thinking about having an abortion or having an abortion or all of the above, check out Poppy Seed Health, especially as it pertains to what's being threatened yes. right now. Exactly. Well, that's what I was back to the beginning of our conversation our, when I said it's not just Black women for maternal health rights. I think it's like all women. The fact that yeah. abortion is even up for discussion right now is shocking and very no, it's upsetting. Horrible. It's really horrible. This is something that I've never asked you about. <laughs> I've always just been curious about. You know that picture of you with Paris Hilton crying on the street? Yeah. <laughs> what is the backstory of that picture? The backstory. It's so funny. I saw her this weekend at F1. <laughs> so it's actually insane that you brought that up. I'll never forget the outfit I'm wearing. I'm dead over it. I'll go into that in a second. But it's funny because I just saw her this weekend at F1 
And I'm an investor in her husband's fund, M13. He is a white male, but I will say that he has a lot of females that work for him and they are do a lot in the CPG space that I feel like gives me good exposure in the market. Okay. Plus, I will say that I met him at a dinner and he was the nicest guy and then went out of his way to help me with my book planning of like how I was going to get kind of like around the strategy around a lot of things. Okay, I love that. Help me at all. He didn't even know me and he came to meet me when I had 30 minutes and gave me like a full computer lifeline of all the things. So Carter, Ram, we We like Paris's new husband. And Paris, we love. So I actually interned for Warner Music when I was 18, the summer before I went to Bard in Paris. And Paris Hilton had just launched Stars Are Blind (laughs) and Paris was coming to Paris for one night to do a big, you know, launch event. And I was on the PR team and I was scheduled to be on the whole thing. So anyway, I go through that entire thing. She was a wild night. It was a wild night. Wait, that picture was in Paris? That picture is from New York. Okay, I was going to say that. Later that summer, okay, and I was wearing a Subi dress and that photo was taken outside of Bungalow 8, a club that I was never allowed into. What? What? Oh, yeah. Amy Sacco and Disco, they had a whole thing for me. They were coming for me every time I stepped foot close to that door. Okay. But I feel like that was like your socialite era. Pre you being an investor and a DJ and an author and a businesswoman, I feel like at first you were a socialite. No? Can I just say, when I was a teenager (laughs) and had no say over my existence other than what was my life right at going to high school right yes yes i was called a socialite because i came from a prominent family and thought that i was an heiress even though my father sold the company and it's no longer our family's company so i'm not an heiress to anything that our family doesn't own and there was that storyline there was that narrative going so yes i will say that that was probably that era considering i was not even a freshman in college yes I just want to know why the tears. hanging out with Paris. Okay, so I forget what Paris's tears were over. But then Diddy pulled up and rescued us. And then we went to cafeteria with Diddy until about 4.30 in the morning that night. And scene. That was really, yep. What did your parents say when they saw the paparazzi pictures? My parents have never seen that photo. Dead. Are you insane that you actually think my parents have seen that? I don't know. I feel like I've just seen this photo floating around of you and I've always just been so curious what the backstory was. But thank you for giving the backstory. Final two questions. One, biggest beauty mistake you have made, let's not say of all time, let's just say like in the past two years. Great. Got waxed while I was pregnant. And let me tell you, I went to a random place during the pandemic. (laughs) Okay. And... Okay, when you say random place... You just saw a place on the street in New York and walked in? No, I was in Long Island. So I saw a random place in Long Island. In the Hamptons? In the Hamptons on the highway. Not necessarily a good (laughs) indicator. And I went in there. Wait, what did you get waxed? I got a Brazilian. (gasps) Pregnant? Pregnant. Why was all of that necessary? Not to get too much into your business, but Um, like, why was that? I was pregnant during the summer during a pandemic, when people were finally seeing people again, okay. I could hardly do anything for myself down there. So like, why not get the fuck waxed? I was like, wax okay. me up, Scotty. So go into a spot and let me tell you, it was not okay. What <laughs> happened to me left me feeling not only like in pain, I bite my nails. I know what raw skin feels like. Okay, so... That's what happened. I had, violated. I, had, I had two people after the fact look and the uh, reaction was similar for both. And it was shocked to say the least. So I'm going to leave that there. By and the way, if you're getting waxing done, do your research ahead of time is the moral of the story. Research. I mean, you're right. That's honestly when Beautified needs to live because we went to the treatments and tried all the things before we put that shit on Beautified. Right. This is your... For people that haven't listened to earlier episodes, this was Hannah's initial company, which is a great company, but there was lots of shady business, not so on much not on Hannah's part, on other shady people's part. But yes. But you know what? You could revive Beautified. You know, there is a Beautified 3.0. It's called The Scoop. 
Okay. I haven't it heard lives. of it. It's, I mean, check it out. S-K-O-O-P. Let's okay. I'm going to check it out. I don't know that I need to be giving them so much airtime. I'm not an advisor or an investor, <laughs> but you know what? Long live the beauty booking industry. Yes. Yes. Okay. You know the final question because you've been on Naked Beauty before. But the final question, and I love to just hear this answer from different periods of your life. These days, when do you feel most beautiful? These days, honestly, I'm trying to think. Like, I feel like pretty good. (laughs) I feel pretty good. Honestly, when after Brendan like puts me in a cute look, I feel like really good. I forget that he's your stylist. Yeah, he styles me literally (laughs) every day. I don't know what I would do without it. I'm so grateful to him for it because I can just like do like dealing with your hair and makeup is enough. For real. Honestly. And yeah. I, I don't have time for the other. Like he fully dressed me in this look. It's very Kanye of him. I know, which I don't love that comparison because like Kanye's unhinged and is a control. Listen, go, but I am a Kanye apologist. We can have a whole other podcast discussion could, about that. Could. Listen, I've, I have so much intel and <laughs> have so many thoughts. At, at dinner tonight, we'll talk about Kanye the whole time. Okay, great, great. Can't wait. Can't wait either. Um, Honestly, feeling most beautiful is really when I'm doing my nighttime skincare routine. Mm. I could have like a breakout. In fact, I've had a breakout on my forehead for the last two weeks. I don't know where it's coming from. And it's actually has me semi shook because I mean, the first time I ever had acne was in college. And that's when I, when I left college and I was living a very hectic lifestyle. That's when I really realized that everything that I was doing was affecting my skin. So that's when we had the overhaul, we had the recommitment, we went through all the motions. And then kind of since then, I've never really had like, just like isolated forehead acne that like, I feel like we talked about when we were teenagers. Mm -hmm. And I just experienced that for the first time. So now I'm experimenting with some acid pads. I've tried the Dennis Gross, Mm -hmm. the Goop pad. I don't know how we feel about pads in general. Yeah. A lot of people think it's like, you know, an intense exfoliant. But you know what I do really like doing is the V peel. Okay. I've heard people love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Shout out to my facialist, Cynthia, who is amazing. Cynthia Rivas. She's absolutely incredible. She was the one who suggested the V-Peel. And then actually I went to go see Dr. Jones. Oh, Dr. Elena Jones. Shout out. She also was like, oh, we love the V-Peel for you. Because I saw her almost two days before I was seeing Cynthia for the V-Peel. And she was like, oh, great. I was going to suggest that. Love that you're doing that. Great. It's like, okay, great. And I just put her on to my mom. But my mom called and said, like, the waiting list is like, tell, okay, I'll email, I'll, I'll set it up. Okay, okay, thank you. <laughs> and what else am I loving? I don't know. I forget. Oh, you're, this isn't even what I'm loving. This is when I feel most beautiful. I feel most beautiful. I love massaging my face. I like doing a treatment, whether it's a mask or deciding I want to do gua sha or wanting to do like a new like tool. Like this is just the time that I love experimenting. It gives me joy. I feel good. And that's what I really jive with. I love it. I love it. Well, it was great to have you back. This is, I think, episode number four or five. Cheers to you, Hannah, and all of your success. And now we're moms. I can't Last time we talked, it. our babies weren't earthside. So it's wild. Also, you're just such a pro at this. Like Aww. you fucking rock. It's very easy with easy guests. So thank you so much for everyone listening. And I will link to all the places that you can find Hannah, even though I know you already follow Hannah already. But I will link to all of the fabulous places to find her in the show notes. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence, every inch, stitch, 
Solon logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. That was my good friend, Hannah. Thank you so much for gracing Naked Beauty and sharing all of your truth with us. I also want to shout out the sponsor for today's episode. This is L Period Care Made Simple. They are specializing in organic tampons and pads. Definitely pick up This Is L wherever you shop for period care. I've been using their tampons and I really, really love them. And I've recorded on my week off on my lovely staycation. I recorded wonderful episodes with just amazing women I admire. So you will be hearing from um, Teffy, who was just absolutely incredible, and Kendra Austin, who was also amazing and talks about self-love and narcissism and just there's a lot of greatness coming. So make sure you're subscribed to Naked Beauty so you do not miss an episode every Monday. And we'll chat next week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.